New Year, New Year's resolutions. Have you broken yours yet? My guest on Exceptionals is a personal trainer ready to dispel a few myths about the fitness industry. Is he a paid mouthpiece of supplement companies or does he dump the bucket on sports drink makers? What are his thoughts on quick fixes and yelling and being yelled at by his clients? Settle in and enjoy my chat with personal trainer and future fitness guru, Dan Yacone. Daniel Yacone, New Year's resolution time. Is this where there's a bit of a spike in business for you or inquiries? Definitely a spike in inquiries. Always calling now saying, oh, New Year's resolution's coming up. Can I start in the new year? You think, absolutely. But you always have to remember that there's no time to start like the present. You can always start right now, so want to get into it as soon as possible. How does it work? They, they Generally, they get your number from the gym in particular that you're working at, which is? Fitness Dimension in East Q, and that's usually from the website. How does it work? They, I ring you. I would like to speak to you regarding personal training, and then what happens from there? And then from there, we organise a consultation time. Come in, talk about your goals, what you'd like to do in the new year for this period, for example, any kind of injuries, how you've been training in the past. So anything that's going to bring me to the gym to make you more comfortable training under my supervision. And so is generally people realistic in what they're after when they, you, you give me half a smile there. <laughs> what's, uh, what's, uh, what's tell me, Daniel? Come on, no one's listening. What's happening? Uh, it's usually the type of person, age bracket, what their what the demographic is, what they feel like they should be getting out of the gym. And that's everything from dropping 10 kilos in 10 days to the old 20-inch bicep, so anything in between, few and far between. But usually a lot of the people coming in that I'm training are just trying to work to sort of goals that we'll meet together, which is a little bit more approachable. Tick them off week by week instead of having the end goal, which is then being able to do one week at a time. What breaks it down a little bit more, makes it a little bit less scary. Do you give them a reality check? So people do actually come in and say, listen, mate, I've got to lose 10 kilos in 10 days. Do you say to them... Uh, are you insane? What, what is your reply to something like that? No, never, never, never that they're insane, but always saying that this is a reasonable, you know, a reasonable idea for you to want to lose some weight or X, whatever their goals are, to do a safe, continuous amount of weight gain or dropping should be X at, at around X amount of kgs per week, mm -hmm. which is anywhere from 250 grams to 500 grams a week for somebody who's following a pretty good all-round plan consisting of diet and training. Okay, so 250 to 500, because I always heard that a kilo a week is reasonable. Is that overestimating? A little bit. Not every person's got that one kilo to lose. If you do the percentage-wise, a smaller person's not going to be losing a kilo a week. Okay. A large person may. It's definitely about what the goals are and what the person's trying to achieve. So that, that sort of figure I try to use as much as possible. A little bit more attainable. You're pretty much lowering their standards, hoping that, that if it happens... They're over. They're they're very happy. Yeah, to make it more achievable for them. Yeah, they're saying, okay, we're gonna lose ten kilos a day. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Okay. No. Then do you see the in reality they think that it's a possibility, and you give them their reality check and say, listen, this can't happen. Do they generally come back, or do they go and look for someone else that might have this a silver bullet that is going to sort them out for ten kilos ten days? So a lot of the time, it's just getting them to start the training program if they're fine to start and they're they're fit, healthy, don't need any any medical certificates to start training. Once they can start, if they have some previous training under their belt, mm. then you can you can launch them off a little bit harder. But some people who may not have been in the gym at all have to spend their first X amount of sessions learning exercises 
So it is very hard to, if their goal is unachievable, you have to sort of, as you said before, bring back to a bit of a reality check. So I always wonder about the dilemma that your PTs have in regards to a newbie, for instance. Yep. Uh, they come in, they're <clears> expecting <throat> miracles, they want it now because they've never exercised before, let's say, and I'm sure you've had a lot of people that come in uh, that have no idea what's the, the amount of time, the amount of work involved. Yes. Where is that line, that fine line where you don't, you can't push them. If you push them too hard, they're not coming back because it's too hard. Or you don't push them enough, they think, well, I'm, what am I paying this guy for? Where, where, where do you go? Where do you work? Yeah, that's, it's always a golden question about the equilibrium, how hard you're going to push somebody. But I suppose with people in a consultation, once you start finding out what they like, what they can and can't do, that will pretty much give you a percentage of where to start from. Usually people that never stepped foot in the gym before will start pretty low. They'll work into it and then progressively overload the weights up to a safe point when they're not going to get injured. Well, how do they sign up with yourself? Is it an ongoing thing? Is it a minimum, maximum? How does it So work? usually it's, a, it's a, 10, a payment of 10, upfront payment of 10, and mm. then you get a one free session with that 10-pack. And in regards to you personally or maybe your other PT friends in general, do they generally stick to it? What's the percentage that actually stick to the 10-pack? It's, it's, it's a pretty highly consistent. Once you do a few sessions with people, and they're comfortable with you, it's usually an ongoing process. But it's just all about being professional in your first consultation, giving people what they want, introductories to exercises, or if they're advanced, advancing them, rehabbing them, mm -hmm. whatever their goals may be. As long as you, you start off achieving them pretty much early and they see some form of result or some worth in what you're doing, then they generally do stick around. Because I can imagine some clients have never trained before. Uh, they pay for the 10-pack. Or let's just say, no doubt you know there's a lot of people who join gyms, give them your credit card details, and they're never seen, they're never seen again. Yes. It'd have, to be easy, it'd have to be that extra motivation because they, someone's waiting for them like yourself. That's right. So they just tend, I'm guessing they tend to stick with a PT a bit more. Would they then book another 10 generally or do they then think, say, thanks, Dan, I'm going to try the gym myself? Well, usually with my experience, it's been people that have, signed up, had their 10 packs, achieved their goal for that bracket of time, whether that may be three weeks, one month, five weeks, two mm -hmm. months, depending on how often they train. Generally, those people do come back again or re-sign again. Typically, with the bigger gyms in our studio, when people come back to a bigger gym, there's no accountability there. All you have to do is click on the door and you sign in. Credit will still be taken, debited, and then there's no really accountability. Once you come train with the PT, someone's going to meet you there, someone's going to fix up all of your programming and then that's more i suppose that's why more people find it a little bit more friendly as well more personal a bit more one-on-one -on -one. so yeah that that bit more friendly a bit more face to the person you're going to see instead of the big gyms that are just do everything by yourself in regards to the people that come in do you specialize in a particular age range anyone that comes through the door provided that they have told me and given me a full medical history and their doctors are happy there's no reason why anybody can't train under my supervision. So that's few or far between from anywhere from a 10-year-old to a 70, 80-year-old person. So a 10-year-old, what sort of training are we talking with for a 10-year-old though? Shouldn't it be just playing outside anyway? Absolutely. Well, yeah. Everybody should be as active as possible, especially kids. But yeah, any kind of work from coordination work, cardiovascular work, body weight resistance work, a lot of technique work. So any, anything that marries that field to be able to move consistently for as long as possible. Any 10-year-old can do that. And then are they something that their parents have brought them in because their parents have had, uh, you've trained their parents possibly? It's usually a parent influence. 
or the kids might, might the person mightn't be happy with how they're performing in sport. So that that can also be another confidence issue that we address. We talk mm-hmm. about that as well. Mm-hmm. So just instilling some confidence in the person as well that's going to be training is a big thing. Very, very motivating to them and they feel some worth as well. On the other side, the other age span, well, we're talking late 60s, 70s, uh, what do we have? You've got people that have never trained before at 70 plus. Absolutely. And they come in and then what, What? obviously it's a different program that you're going you're gonna to tailor for them. What sort of things do you allow, do for a 60, 70 year old? Yes, yeah, so everyone, everyone does have a different program. That's the first thing we do once they step in the door. But for somebody that age, it's a lot more, it's a lot more resistance work, a, lot more, a little bit less cardiovascularly intense. A lot of resistance work help with osteoporosis, arthritis, so all of those kind of aging issues for prevention. So just to keep him strong in the old age, just it's getting very important for aging population. Just keep him moving. That's right. So the major, the, but the majority of your business would come in that middle bracket. Would that be right in the twenties? Yeah, the, the middle bracket of twenties, twenties to forty-five, fifty. That span there. So you know, the, you know, the younger kids, men and women, like to look a little bit. A little bit bigger for the beach season. So as long as long as they're hitting those goals and uh, finding some self worth, that's uh, it's half the job. So twenties to forties, are they uh, generally already active? Are they already members at the gym? I typically find with the younger people that they have a gym membership, but then they're sort more or less wandering around the gym, thinking, "What am I doing? What periodization am I doing? What type of, what type of training am I doing?" That leads to that can lead to more injury based doing the same kind of same kind of exercises continuously, mm-hmm. not knowing what, what type of exercises to do, when to change, how long to do them for. So once they do find a PT studio, if they're implemented with a, with a program, they can administer it by themselves, provided it's, it's taught t- technically correct. So that's another side we do, doing programs, programming. The person comes in, runs through the program, and they can do it on their own accord if they are too far away. So with these people that are just wandering around the gym, being members for the last seven years, regularly coming in which is good that's good nothing uh, wrong with that really booking them uh, booking themselves a couple of appointments with you an educator yeah could really make a big difference to what they're doing make them see some sort of something that they haven't seen for the last seven years yeah absolutely you well, might get somebody coming in saying you know I've, I've been on the bench press for the past five years and i haven't lifted any heavier at all so you change their program give them a bit more accessory work and then very 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 soon after Within the leading four to six weeks, they're at a lot bigger percentages of the one rep, one rep max. So, just once again, showing that worth of what you're doing for them helps retain a client as well. Do you generally get them uh, in ten week packs, or do they come in and say, "Listen, maybe take me through a couple, two, three times, and we'll see"? Yeah, it, it depends as well where where they live. People further away don't generally sign up for the ten packs, but I have a few people that come down. Mm. We'll do a session, go back home, see them again in a month's time. So. That kind of that schedule as well, booking in for that month is good for them. As I said before, a bit of accountability as well. So it's good to have that one-on-one as well, a little bit of the online work as well. So as far as the education is concerned that they get from you, as far what is your education in regards? What qualifications do you have as a PT? So I'm a Cert 3 and Cert 4 yep. personal trainer at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I've got one more year to go on my bachelor, and that's a, that's a deacon. So I'm doing health and exercise science. And uh, exercise and sports science, sorry. And that's been that's been very 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 educating all the way through since I started two years ago. Mm-hmm. One more year to go. Learned very 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 vast field anywhere from anatomy work to physiology work, how the body works, periodization work. A lot of that's been beneficial in training people. 
And I think that the people who have stayed on since the start up till now have noticed it as well, more quality of training. And I think a lot of PTs should require a higher than just the set three and four if they are going to continue with people of all different types of contradictions and health contradictions, yeah. not just the fit firing younger people. So, Because there are a lot of PTs out there. You must find it extremely many, many. competitive, especially when the government's giving away the grants. Yes, That would have been everyone just uh, managed dogs just going in there, getting that. And we're talking five, $6,000 for a, for a Cert 3, Cert 4. But right. the government grant at the time, uh, well, it was, they were, what were they paying for a... I think it was about 1500 mm. you could get away with mm. with those courses. But even though the past, say, five, six years, it was one year for the course. Mm. Then it's moved down to a six-month course. Okay. Now it's three months. So it's really about getting people out the door as fast as possible, changing them over. And they have the idea of as long as you can decrease the sedentary population, that's all good. But a lot of the population isn't just going to be fit and ready to do that. So a lot more, a lot more comes into the training, not just fight firing people so i suppose that once you do change that field and somebody has an injury age some kind of precursor that would make them not be able to train just by the normal pt person should be requiring some extra knowledge and i think university courses everybody that is leading or wanting to do a pt course or business or something for their for their future Mm. they should definitely go into that so it must be very simple for these ones that come out after three months to put a three and four, cert three and four on their business card. And uh, someone like yourself has obviously studied a bit more and continues to study. It must be frustrating when someone... Do you, do you get shopped around a little bit? You do. And the annoying thing is with price. People think that if you're too cheap, you know, good, too expensive, well then, where's, where's, your, where's your proving to back that up? Which is which is how it should be. Yeah. You know, you're, you're paying good money for the service. Mm. The person should be fully qualified, have mm. a degree even a master's so you do get chopped around but i think once once somebody does come in have a few sessions and then uh they can go from there and see the worth in it so you're in your you've completed two years of your study for your bachelor's you got one more so what's after that you said you're going to continue to study so i'll aim to go into my master's which will be this time next year Mm. we plan to start that so anywhere in diabetes aged care prevention one of those two fields I'd like to look into, specialise in that, in the exercise physiology field. Is that still in a working through a gym or is that working with doctors or physios or something like that? How do you... With liaison with everybody. So typically doctors, uh, but also definitely physios, osteos, any healthcare professionals that will be liaised with. The day in the life of a PT starts very early ends pretty late but there's always that middle section that's like a big split shift that you yep. what are you doing how did, where, how early does it start for you so i'm usually starting at 5 30 monday to friday the weekend's a big sleep in at seven. Oh, nice yeah later start but uh and then typically work for about four hours and then there'll be a little bit of a lull around mid-morning and then as soon as it comes back into the afternoon i train myself mm-hmm. or, or do my study mm-hmm. and then i'll go back three and then work Probably seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock, depending on what day it is. Who has to book in any late, late sessions? So, and that's typically the day. So it's a big week and just a big day and just training. But as far as studying as well. So what? Are we, how many hours are you putting in at the moment for your studies? So I'm trying to do at least at least three to four hours a day, and that, that's just to that's just my four subjects I have every trimester. So it's a pretty full on day, but it's good. It's good. Well, hit, you hit all areas. I was going to ask you. You could have just stayed on as a PT. Was there an interest before or while you're doing? When did you when the interest start in regards to going for your bachelor's? Pretty much as soon as I started. Needed to be a change between me 
all the other PTs that I'd met, they weren't happy with their position. They thought that people weren't as happy as well. So straight away, I, I thought there's no better value than education. So pretty much I was working for a full year. And then as soon as that finished, that was my goal. Started that, 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 next, that next March and then here we are two years later. It's been a good little journey so far for the uni. And to meet a lot of people along the way as well, people who are in the same position as me, PTs, some uh, my therapists. So we build a good, a good network while we are at uni. And these are people they are going to be looking at working with down the track? Absolutely. As soon as, they, as soon as they finish their course, which will be the same time as me, there's no reason why those people can't continue on learning together in their masters or, or doing their own gym, studios, little sites there. So no reason why that can't happen. So as far as the frequency of training, is there a particular amount of time or amounts of times during the week that someone should actually be training? It depends what their what their age is, how how healthy they are, any injuries. But typically, if you're trying to get, if you're healthy enough to do two vigorous sessions a week, around 90 minutes, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But moderate sessions around 300 minutes, a continuous a week. That can be walks, little jogs. 300 minutes, 30 minutes. How many? 300. 300? A week. That's oh, a week, okay, a week. sorry. I a week total. 300, I said, geez, that is a, quite a work here. You're taking for 300 a, minutes in the day. Yeah, uh, it's a my big apologies. day. 300 minutes per week. Per week. So That can be broken up into about 50, 60 minutes a day walking. And that's the bottom, it's the least. 300 minutes. Yep. Okay. Overtraining. Do you have some clients that come in that are fired up, that have drunk the religion of exercise, yes. <laughs> and they just, start weighing their food want to come in to see you on a you know daily absolutely do you get those you get absolutely. those absolutely it's 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 rare it's rarer to have in my whole pie chart of people that you know, the key means that come in every single day but they are there and you've got to give them as much as much as you, of, of your time as the people that come once a week everybody's on the same path everybody's got the same the same outlook the same programming same kind of respect if you're training more it doesn't mean you get looked after more from one session to five sessions Every person's still getting the same kind of quality care. But those keen beans, though, they uh, they just want to go hard as they can for as long as they can. And they yeah. really don't like the periodization phasing because, you know, doing the single lifts, I'm not burning enough. No pain, no gain. The, oh, old, right, okay. the old myth, the old myth of no pain, no gain. But yeah. just because you're not tearing up muscle fibers as hard as you can doesn't mean it's not beneficial to your training. And you, but the thing is, though, if that takes a year, that periodization takes a whole year to go through, it's a lot of trust by the client. It's a lot of money they're going to spend. Mm-hmm. So have to make sure that they're going to hit every single goal that they, you devise, they devise over mm. that year. So what's period, what a periodization, what's that mean? So different working rep ranges. So you might be working 8 to 12 reps or 12 to 15 reps, 0 to 3 reps, 4 mm-hmm. to 6 reps. And all those different rep ranges are for different different activation, hypertrophy, mm-hmm. strength, power lifting. So as long as they're broken up into different phases, the body's not going to get overloaded for that year. So you should be able to have somebody who can give you not just give you the standard six to eight week plan and then the client says, okay, what am I going to do after that? Mm-hmm. And so then the problems start happening. So you need to be able to train people from anywhere from one to four years. No worries. It's got to be a long-term goal, not, a, not just focusing on the short-term goal. So so these people that are coming in, uh, is there, there's, there's got to be a risk of overtraining. Do you have to rein them in? Yeah, there's, there's, always, there's always some... It's always some form of overtraining in the fact that your body's going to get fatigued, but long-term overtraining shouldn't really happen. You'll be pulling up sore and a little bit sore after a harder period, maybe a harder three weeks, and a little bit 
little bit heavier, a little bit lighter, three to four weeks. But good periodization, where we said before, as long as that's administered properly, it shouldn't be periods of, of very, very, very heavy muscle fatigue or delayed onset muscle soreness, the DOMS. So as long as the programming's fine, there shouldn't be any reason why the person should A, stop training or B, have any injuries. So are you splitting the program in so far as upper body one day and the, um, the legs the next day? So a part of the, the body that they, part that they just worked is having a rest or has it worked? Well, typically if someone's going to train every day, they'll do a five-day split, which will be four different muscle groups. If somebody's going to train once a week, try to look at it more mm. overall, once or twice a week, mm-hmm. more overall kind of kind of programming. But it's just about... Yeah, once again, what, what the person can do, how old they are, how healthy they are, any injuries, any contradictions they may have. So it always always comes back to what that con- first consultation's gone through. So, Do you give them some dietary advice as well, or is that something that you've got to leave up to the nutri- nutritionists? Yeah, that's right. Well, as I'm not qualified a nutritionist, I shouldn't be giving diet. I can give advice, but I'm not going to give them a written plan. That's not my, not my field. So absolutely, it's another pe- person we, we liaise with dietitians, nutritionalists, and once that whole field of training, exercising, stretching, eating has all been hit, then that's when all the when all the goals can be ticked off the board and start on the next ones. So I was going to ask you about the dietary advice, supplementation. Uh, all the old what, supplements. What are your thoughts on, because uh, they're quite big, those uh, tubs. Yeah, they're very big. <laughs> and expensive too, Dan. Yeah, a few kilos there. So what, what, are you, bucks. what are your thoughts on the protein powders, creatines, uh, pre-workout, post-workout? Well, creatines, if, if you're trying to shave off, you know, half a second off your 100 metre time and you've tried everything and maybe supplementations could be something to look in, into. But for the average person, for the average person that's just trying to lose weight or increase some size, to be hitting five, five protein shakes a week or as they sometimes request two or three a day, if the person's not pulling up sore and they're still happy with how training's going, that's the reason why they can't get their protein from just food, food and water. It's proper hydration and proper proper protein synthesis. Okay. So they may be saving money by taking your advice. Absolutely. Because not ch- it's not cheap. No, it's not cheap. But uh, uh, the pe- uh, people can get a good protein dietary source from anywhere, Coles, the butcher, meat and three veg. Nothing wrong with that every day. Or do they hear you but not listen to you and then walk out with their protein shake and shake it around? Yeah, well, the, the, the people that have hung around for a bit longer and they, they enjoy the uh, the straight hit of the protein after they finish training. It's just a routine that they do. They're, they're okay to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're training pretty regularly every day or once or twice a day, that's when you can start getting the benefits from it. If you need to refuel for that next session, anything to try to make sure the muscle fibres can grow back together as fast as possible. So that's what the protein's doing. It's helping the muscles recover. It's all about recovery. So if you can't recover in time and you're under-recovered for the next session, a little bit more highly likely to injure yourself. So for example, if, you, if you're going to be running every single day and you weren't adequately recovering, that could lead to a little bit more niggles, smaller tears to bigger tears, and that could put you out of action for anywhere from six to eight weeks, which is not looking forward to the, the next goal of training. So... So you can imagine the people that are into their training and they get injured, it must be quite frustrating. Yeah, it is very frustrating, especially people if they do an injury once or twice. But it's usually in a confined space, in a, a space that we're using, we try to really limit the, the amount of injury that's going to happen. But it can't really be helped if someone's going to be training you know, every day of the week and then they're going to be playing a football or, or a highly 
competitive and the one, one wrong twist in the, in the limbs or the body or the knee it's not meant to do that pretty hard to uh you know to say you're not going to get injured ever again okay. there's no injuries after this it's all about are you telling me that your pt dan is not going to make them bulletproof oh very close to but you still cannot it's 99 percent, but you cannot we cannot guarantee they won't get injured that's right that's right i'm not gonna not gonna sit here and say that's it no more injuries ever again. Sure, there are some PTs that actually make that claim then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then what happens when the injury happens? Go and see Dan. That's it. Now, you, do you train many bodybuilders? Oh, bodybuilders. I don't have any, I don't have any strict bodybuilders at the moment. A couple of people that I, I, I try to do the same kind of routine as a bodybuilder would do, mm. leading them up to a competition phase. Mm. But no, none of the clients are comfortable to compete, so... Which is, we, we can try to change that if they want to. I'm not going to pressure anybody to say, you know, we get, get up on stage. Do you understand the mentality of a bodybuilder? Uh, I think so. Yes. What do these guys and girls are, are doing? They're, they're, they're blowing themselves up for starters and then they're yep. trying to shrink themselves, dry themselves right out. That's right. Can't be too healthy for you. Well, the continuous strain on the heart from weight gain to weight loss is... There is a strain, but a lot of them who are natural bodybuilders, they eat very well, look after themselves pretty well. So provided they aren't pumping themselves full of the wrong things, it's it's pretty it's pretty alright to do that kind of that kind of change. As long as as long as the percentages of overall body weight aren't too vast, then it's pretty okay. How about the the fighters, for instance? Do you follow the fights at all? The guys that have to come in at a certain weight, yes, and then sometimes they they weigh in the day before, and yep. then the next day they'll be twenty pounds heavier. Yeah, the water refeed. Yes. Actually having something to eat. So it's, it's pretty taxing on the body, dropping that amount of weight that quickly. And they are fit people, so but they do respond, respond pretty well to it. But it's something I do follow. And those those fighters that can change their bodies that closely to a fight, now they do very, they do very, very, very well. Their mm. coaches, their, their support staff, absolutely second to none. So. so is there a secret beyond that? I mean, I know the UFC have stopped allowing them to rehydrate through the IV. Yep. That was the quickest form, I guess, of getting uh, fluid into them, from yes. what I understand. Now, they ha now they've stopped it. Is there a solution here? I hear it's dangerous because the last thing that rehydrates is your brain and your cop and punches and kicks in the head. It can't be uh, too... No, not too healthy for the brain, especially if the brain's going to lose any oxygen. So, But I suppose that they'll just be doing a lot of refeed through water supplements, through the creatine, salt retention, fluid retention. But that's something that... Not that, that I want to look forward, look a little bit more into into the future. Do you have any favourite myths that you just shake your head, or do people come to you and tell you, Dan, I've started the program, I'm only on the shakes? Do you like that one? Yeah, you hear a lot of the one-liners a lot of the time. I suppose the no pain, no gain ones. It's pretty much the number one you hear all the time. You have to always kind of give them the reasoning behind it, how it's not the be-all and end-all. But I suppose, I suppose a lot of the the fundamentals of training are always the same. As long as you can you can have a functional training session, have a good workout, increase the heart rate, become healthier, drop the kilos if you need to, and as, as long as you hit the person's goals, you know there's no reason why the, why the myth they have to be sort of leading towards the gimmicks and TV and, mm. and and the gimmicks of you need to try this new shake or this new dietary plan or or this new shaking board that you see on the yes. commercial all the time. Are if you it, telling me that doesn't work, Dan? Uh, I haven't used it, so okay, all right. Okay, well, I'll have to put me order, stop me order for that one. Shake it around. Cancel. No pain, no gain. Uh, what are they actually telling you? Are they calling you the next day or sending you a text, Dan, I'm not hurting today, the day after a workout. You're not doing your job. 
Is that uh, what the, the it, issue is with these people? It's, it's usually the text, oh, I'm very, very sore. And that's that's fine if that's what the goal or the periodization is. That's what, that's what you're doing for that bracket of time. But if you're feeling really sore and you're not, we're not really training for that, then the alarm bells start to set in a little bit more and then you might have to review the program. But a lot of the time when people say, oh, I'm happy that I'm not that sore. Mm. So, as you can imagine, some people that, uh, that are training pretty regularly and they have a little bit of the, the breathing air, mm. they say, whew, got out of that one. They won't request a harder session straight away. So as far as the exercise, the time, how long are your sessions generally? It, that, that depends on the person, their, how advanced they are, how introductory they are. Uh, older people that require a little bit more, they typically do half an hour to an hour, depending on, on how how fit they are. Um, and the younger people that do a little bit more, the bodybuilding side, we do 45 minutes to an hour. And so do they, um, is there an exercise in particular? You know, let's say you're doing cardio for something, the HIT program, the high intensity yep. interval training. Do you know anything about that? What's yep. the story there? Because the, from from what I've read, the, the sessions could finish in 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, and they're fine as well for somebody who, if, I don't really like to give a nine minute session to somebody. The fact that they're not really going to be doing all the technique as well as possible if they're doing an introductory session mm. it's nine minutes go as hard as you can so a lot of the training that i do is a learning process as well and that that high intensity interval training is fine um but i use that a little bit more with running than with weights so the weight is it, it is going to be high intensity for some people who who can sustain that and who can do it but a lot of the people will be doing that high intensity interval training with running running or, or rowing or bike work or that's usually when i'll I would lead into that. So what does a session of HIT entail? So for an athletics track? Yeah, let's say an athletics track, yeah. Yeah, so any, anything, have you heard of fart league training? Yeah. So, or for example, a form of fart league training would be various types of speed, running slow, walking, then max sprinting, all continuous movements for X amount of time that you're trying to do, you're trying to achieve. It be anywhere from two minutes up to six, eight, 10, 20 mm-hmm. minutes. A lot of football work, a lot of higher, higher really intensity higher elite people football soccer rugby they all kind of really really focus on that is the fart leg the same as hit fart leg that well that fart leg works pretty much their pre-season stuff the high intensity interval training as long as it's interval and it's, and it's changing then that can be called as hit so what are they doing they're doing a different exercise what is it like they could be doing flat out for a minute or 30 seconds or is there a standard or do you make it up as uh, not as you go but is there a they particular could be program doing any any range of exercises they could be doing jump squats into push-ups into battle ropes into ball slams anything that the person's devised for them to do so mm-hmm. as long as long as it's continuously moving changing it up then that can be called high intensity training is there know. any break in between exercises they'll typically do a round or one or two or three rounds and have a have a break but as i said i don't really i don't really do too much of those big mm. group high intensity because a lot of them are coming up they're popping up all over the place now as well so those f45 camps yeah as i said a little bit more specialist one-on-one work and maybe groups one to two, but mainly that's my field. So, Going back to the myths, I mean, not necessarily, I mean, let's not upset the, I don't want to upset the supplement people out there. Yep. But uh, sports drinks, they're out there, they're multi-billion dollar industry. Your thoughts on the Gatorades, the Powerade and things like that? What? Yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with a bit of water. The, uh, the light to moderate people like to moderate training sessions that are going to happen in the gym and and especially if someone's going to be working out at home water's fine nine out of ten times but people training for long periods of time over two hours two to three hours some form of supplements can be had any glucose supplements and they really they re- that's really when their time is to shine 
But they're very sugary drinks. So someone training, going to the gym, especially if their calorie intakes X amount and mm-hmm. they're going to have three quarters of that or half of that in two drinks, well, then it sort of defeats the purpose of having such a sugary drink while training. You seem to be a very sensible person here. We're not trying, you're not trying to push the supplements. You're not trying to push the healthy drink, the no. uh, sugary drinks. Are you a yeller of a PT? Absolutely not. No. Not a yeller. Is that part of the course? That is there a section of the course no. where they teach you how to yell? No, I suppose it's just, it's just in me and my sporting background and how I've responded best to training, never been yelling at people, putting them down trying to make them do something they don't want to do. Mm. People will work out if they want to do it, if they're encouraged to do it. So that's how I found get get the best results out of people. So do you find that your clients don't yell at you? Oh, they yell at me. Oh, they yell at you? Oh, yeah, they yell at me. So what sort of abuse do you cop then? Oh, a lot. It's too hard. It's too hard. I can't do it. I can't do this. This is, this is too... No way I'm going to do this. Lots of swear words. That's fine. We can go for a little walk and come back. You or them? Oh, them. Yeah, no swearing from me. <laughs> so do you, is, it, do they, is there a certain number of sessions where they're comfortable to turn around and say, Dan? Where to go? Get a grip, Dan. Yeah. Um, I'd say after the first month, having someone two or three times a week, you get yeah. pretty friendly with them after a while. Okay. And then it's, then, then it's uh, the, the true colours come out, which is good. Nothing wrong with that. So you've actually, do you actually tell them, listen, if you feel like just cutting loose on me, by all means... But Absolutely. only during the session. Don't ring me up after hours and have a crack. But yeah. yes. Absolutely. You can say whatever you want during the session. Send me a little text if you need to as well. And uh, yeah, people people like that little response as well. So you're always following up with a text to see how they're feeling? Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not, mm. not, not just a, not just a nine-to-five job, mm. nine job, not just a, a 4.30 in the morning to 8 o'clock at night, whenever. When people aren't training, on holidays, after work. So you should always be accountable to your clients, whatever their requests may be. Or, or just even little questions. Ask me how they're going. Now, there's uh, obviously the reality shows I wanted to ask you about. The Biggest Loser is obviously the biggest one. Yes. Uh, have you watched? Uh, I've seen I've seen parts, but I, I don't watch it. Mm. Not, something that I don't follow. I find with those shows that they, they're trying to get people moving, bottom line. But the fact that it could be a little bit unrealistic to the people who are watching at home and saying, Oh, that's fine for me to run up a flight of stairs as fast as I can, as many times as I can. Because the people haven't been screened, haven't had any medical checks, any, any certifications. And not just the health contradictions that could arise from that, but the fact that they could do simply just do pull a muscle, tear a muscle, and then that's six to eight weeks of them not, not doing anything at all. If it keeps happening, then the people aren't going to be, they're not going to continue training or even start training again. So I think that stemming back to the proper care given, PTs, exercise physiologists, that should always be the starting point for people who you watch these shows and think that's you know that's for me. So do you you're talking about people who watch the shows and then think they can try and do it for themselves as opposed to getting some professional advice on how to start, how to yeah. and how to finish. But watching what the sort of tasks or whatever they do on the show, do you see that and you think, well what are what are these this is quite unrealistic? Yeah, it's very unrealistic. A little bit degrading at some times too when the people are getting yelled at. They're at a very, very, very unhappy point at that time if mm. someone's on their knees. And and yeah, okay, people might have to be driven a little bit harder than others, but there's ways to do it besides you know, kicking and screaming them on the ground when, when they're at that point. It's not a method I use. It's not something that I that I watch or, or take any notice of really because I don't think it's, it's, the, best, it's the best form of training somebody or exercising or even introducing them to that 
So when you were actually getting your new clients, I was I wanted to ask: Is there a set plan for everybody, or is there simple, different different workouts for all different um, people? With uh, depends what the goals are. Mm. Someone will come in, and so everybody should have a goal. Mm-hmm. They should have something to train mm-hmm. towards. Mm-hmm. So whatever those goals are, they will devise the program. And if somebody comes and said, oh, "I have no idea," you know, I'm I'm happy with my weight. I'm I'm pretty strong. And they say, oh, I'd like to just try different exercises. And then you can start them off with a, a little bit more of a basic introductory routine. And then as they progress quicker, change it up pretty quickly so that people aren't getting bored. But usually usually a lot of people, I try it nine times out of ten, make sure that they have some kind of goal. So do you actually have a lot of athletes that come in that are looking for something different, like a kick in the pants because... Yeah, a lot of, I suppose, as this period of time comes up just after Christmas, New Year's Eve. Uh, a lot of pre-season work and people that are playing at a pretty high level, pretty high standard of football, soccer, rugby, and they just want to do a little bit extra, target some different muscle groups to make them stronger, play better, become a little bit faster. Implementing that makes a really, really big jump to their new year. And that could be anything from strengthening the glutes, lower back, any rehab work to make them a little bit straighter when they run, a little bit more powerful, correcting any lumbar pain, so that's lower back pain. And that really, uh, really finding that recently that's been a big point continuously in the past sort of three, four years, this time of year. So do you actually specialise in, a, are you known for a specialty? Um, we like to think you're special at I'd, something? I'd like to think that I train legs pretty well. A lot of my leg programming is pretty full on for people that would like to do that. So um, one of my favourite things would be to train legs with somebody. So if someone wants to train legs, why, why would they want to train legs? So if somebody was going to do an overall split and split and yep. incorporate legs, mm-hmm. which they should for an mm-hmm. overall overall fatigue, especially with injury prevention, doing some kind of resistance work through the legs, and that technique is going to be beneficial for them in any sport they're doing, or even if they're not doing any sport, just functionality in life. As people are pretty sedentary and they sit down a lot of the day, having those really strong thoracic mm-hmm. muscles, lower back muscles, so any, anywhere anywhere that they can change the support change the way that they live their life. I suppose that's pretty uh that's it's pretty interesting to me. So a lot of that stems from the leg from leg exercises I give them. So can you please tell me why people neglect their calves? Oh all the calves. I don't know. I suppose it's because the the muscles getting used all day. Yes. It's going through thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of reps just by walking. That to uh to fatigue them or, or or change the shape of them. It's, it's a pretty daunting task. So I haven't got too many people that are saying, "Oh, can I increase the size of my calf?" So you don't have what you no, do. I don't don't have many, which is good. So calf hypertrophy isn't isn't something <laughs> I've been focusing on of recent. You do see the guys that are put on the they're carrying a hell of a lot of muscle, and the majority don't have uh, the most spectacular calves. I mean, a calf is a beautiful thing when it's developed, but generally it's the hardest muscle. Yep. Why is it so hard to build? Yeah, I suppose a lot of it's genetically based as well. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have, I don't want to hear that, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta give me something better than that, Dan. Nah, if you if you want to you want to do hypertrophy in a muscle, any muscle, any muscle can grow. Really, as long as it's targeted properly, mm-hmm. time under tension's proper. So long as it's technically correct, there's no reason why why muscle can't grow. Hit it from different angles, not just do the normal calf raises. So, so if someone wants to build themselves, they're coming to you now, New Year's Eve. Uh, I want to turn into you know a realistic six how long is it before someone sees some results because you do 
could take a while for some people. They have different body types. Yeah, absolutely. A lot, a lot of it can really, it just really lies on on the dietary side. Training is always going to be the same. It's always going to be the same kind of standard, provided the person's happy, healthy, feeling good on the day. But it's all about the diet. Once, per, once people start implementing diet, it can be instantaneous. First couple of weeks can be a change. But it's going to be an overall package that, that gets hit all the time. But a lot of people have this idea that I can train as hard as I want five times a week, still eat the same, and my body, my composition will change, my health will change. You have to do all elements of fitness for that overall change. Once you have just the fitness side down packed, you might have the same kind of size, lean muscle, but then gut health, if the eating's not correct, that, that can be that can be at risk as well. So the overall package has to be, really has to be complemented with each other. So not one, not one side's better than the other but as i said before with the eating probably a little bit more so there's a, there's a lot involved in the eating because a lot of people think oh the more i train the best the, i'm going to lose weight or i'm going to get bigger this and that they don't realize that the food side of things is very important yeah yeah the food food side is very important especially with with a lot of the fast food the uber eats the door-to-door deliveries but they just got to go back to that the the three Three veg, the one meat, continuously eating properly. It's it's not it's not a hard thing to do. It's just the willpower to do it. Because you have to think. You can't think. Oh, I've done a workout now. I'm going to treat myself. It's all about being one. One good meal is not going to make you thin. Yes. Or put on weight. Mm-hmm. But one workout's not going to do that either. So okay. It's going to be a continuous, ongoing, and that's that's just like training. Training can't be one session. Can't be one week. Can't be a month or a year. It should be an ongoing process of life, as eating should be. So it sounds like a slow build here, Dan. Yeah, it it is a slower build, but like anything, you know, there's no quick fix to your health, especially with. with I'm, he- I'm disappointed. To, I was hoping to bring you in today to give us that secret to turn you into Arnie yep. overnight. No, uh, you can come in and I'll tell you. <laughs> How can they contact you, Dan? Please give me your details. Give everyone your details. Where do they come and find you? So I've got a Facebook page, Dan Iconi Personal Training. That's I A C U O N E Personal Training. I I A C U O N E Dan Iconi. That's it. And uh, my mobile number is 0412 132 147. And your gym, you obviously have a gym that you work out of, Fitness Dimensions in East Q. That's it. Do you travel? Do I travel? Nearby? Do I travel? Depends how close. So with with uni times, you can make some exceptions. But yeah, some some travel availability, but it just depends what. uh, or the people's preference are. But typically this, try to get them to come into the gym as much as this possible. This episode might be in Canada or in US. That's so you right. get on the phone and say, Dan, I've got a workout uh, happening here. I've got a fight pre- to, be, to prepare for. Yep. If it works in with your study schedule. <laughs> so, Dan, you've come in. You haven't given us the magic bullet, as in that you can't lose weight overnight. It's all That's pretty much it. Huh? Is that what you make? You make your people realize as we started off by yeah. saying it's not going to happen overnight, right? You make it yeah. realistic. It's, there's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to sell people gimmicks because, you know, it's sometimes saying what people want to hear, mm. well, it's not realistic. Mm. So as long, as long as people know that it is a, it's a scientific routine, there's science behind it, it's 40 years of evidence behind that training, and that's, that's just how it is. The quicker you can do that is by implementing diet and training together all in one big one big bundle so if uh, new clients lock you in now can they get you in at the price now before you're qualified as a uh, bachelor 
That's right. And then even more qualified as a Masters. Yeah. So they can they get you in now and lock you in for that price for they the can, next four years. They can lock me in at this price now. Yes. For the next year. Next year. Next year. All right. Twenty. No, we're talking 2017, not up until the end of 2016, right? To the t- 20. <laughs> 2017, that's it. Thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. I hope we've enlightened a few people on the uh, myths and fallacies and, and the my, realities. My pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. All right, pleasure. Take care, everyone. All right, thank you for good health. To your good health. Everyone's good health. I hope you enjoyed our chat with PT Dan. For further details on Dan, check this episode's description, or better yet, just press rewind. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to this show on iTunes and follow us on our Exceptionals Facebook page to be sent regular updates on new and information on how you can listen to past episodes. Bye for now.